Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Hello, everybody, and happy birthday, Nikki Kitzer. Oh, it's also the Take Control Thank ADHD you. podcast. <laughs> Yay, party! Yay, party! Um, yes, we're recording on my I birthday. I can't believe you're letting this happen. Um, you know. <laughs> that, that I'm you're letting, letting myself have no, a birthday. No, that you're letting us podcast <laughs> on your birthday. I cannot believe I know. that. Well, you know why. is because I took a whole week off last week I was to celebrate this I birthday. was setting you up to be you know to be a real martyr and that you just gave it up you just oh, gave no. that up I no. I'm not gonna no, no not, I don't plan that. Do that like usually I do <laughs> take my birthday off and I would have taken my birthday off except for I did take all of last yeah, week off I get it well welcome and, back uh, and happy yeah. birthday thank and you it's very very good thank you thank you, you. It's been a little break uh we are talking about food nutrition today we've already actually recorded the interview so I can tell you right now when you look at the time in your podcast app this is a long episode and there is a lot going on and I know normally we try not to to do that to you because you know ADHD but please remember you can pause and come back and come yeah, back you can always pause and come back you don't have to listen to it all the way through pause and come back it's okay so we're going to get started with uh, Nicole uh, Demasi Malcher she's amazing uh, but before we do that head over to takecontroladhd.com get to know us a little bit better you can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list and we'll send you an email each time a new episode is released you can connect with us on facebook instagram or pinterest at take control adhd but to really connect with us head over to the discord community uh, we love our adhd discord community and it's super easy to jump right into the general community chat channel just visit takecontroladhd.com slash discord and you will be whisked over to the general invitation you can log in if you're looking for a little bit more particularly if this show has ever touched you or helped you with your ADHD in any way, we invite you to support the show directly through Patreon. Patreon is listener-supported podcasting, and with a few dollars a month, you can help guarantee that we continue to grow this show, add new features, and invest more heavily in our community. Visit patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to learn more. Do we have any announcements, Nikki? Not right now. Outstanding. Let's go. Let's go get Nicole. Nicole? Nicole DeMassi-Malcher is a registered 
dietitian, nutritionist, and founder of Eating with ADHD. I didn't even know that was a thing. I'm so relieved to know it exists. That's where she helps people with ADHD stop binge eating and learn to have a healthier relationship with food and body image. And she's here to help us out today. Nicole, welcome to the ADHD podcast. Your work is officially cut out for you. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Can we can, welcome? Can we start by just? I'd I'd like you to share a little bit about how you got into. I mean, I, I I know how people get into the nutrition and health business, but how'd you get into the ADHD nutrition and health? It kind of goes back to when I was in college. I guess I was like the typical undiagnosed ADHD year, where I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was kind of lost. I took every single course you can think of just to try to find what I actually wanted to do. Um, I finally stumbled upon a nutrition course. And when I was a junior, after three years, my mom's like, okay, you probably should choose a major now. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I took it <laughs> and I was always interested in nutrition anyway. So I finally um, decided on nutrition as my major, but I had struggled with like disordered eating and all of that for years and years and years without even realizing it. Um, I didn't know why I struggled, but you know, as we get into it today, uh, during during the podcast, we'll talk about um, you know disordered eating and how that affects us. But um, there was basically just this period of time where I was really struggling, and this was prior to my ADHD diagnosis um, as a dietitian. This was I was a dietitian for about eight years before I actually got diagnosed with ADHD and didn't even realize that it was disordered eating and all that, um, you know, all the issues that I was struggling with. So basically, um, as soon as I got diagnosed, I immediately went down the rabbit hole of researching everything that there could possibly <laughs> possible every type of research out there that you could possibly imagine on ADHD and nutrition, just like most of us do, right? Um, it was sort of this, like, I, I was trying to find everything that I could to see how I could sort of fix my brain. Um, and I mm. think that's where a lot of us go to when we first get diagnosed. We're like, okay, how can I fix this? But we know it's not fixable, right? It's not something that you can fix. And I don't want to fix it. Now that I know all of the amazing things that you can do with your brain and how, I, how I'm um, wired, I think it's fine. Um, to have, of course, if you put, you know, you put your mind, you can put your mind to anything really. Um, but I think the biggest thing is me struggling with disordered eating as a dietitian. I was like, there's got to be something else going on here. And then I started putting together the pieces. I'm like, okay, so we have all these issues with ADHD. It's got to be related to why I'm struggling so much. And that's when I started doing all the research. Um, I know that was sort of a roundabout way to say it, but I was just going to ask, what does a dietitian do exactly? That's a great question. So there's there's tons of different things that you can do as a dietitian. Most of us are um, have a clinical background, so we basically have to do all the same um, classes as a nurse would do. So you have to go through like sci like all the science classes, psych uh, psychology, psychology. Um, really hands-on stuff. You have to do um, training in a hospital. You have to do training in long-term care facilities, all that. So you have all this knowledge and clinical background. So you can go into um, 
like digestive issues and diabetes and all these other things. But there's, it's very, very rare that you get a dietitian who specializes in ADHD. I think there's only a handful of us that I mm-hmm. know of. Um, so what a dietitian does basically is assesses the nutrition of um, the client or the patient that she's working with um, and basically makes sure that they are eating in an optimal way. Um, but unfortunately with our training as dietitians, most of us actually become, um, have an unhealthy relationship with food because of it, because it's so strongly linked to like perfectionism, right? So it's, what is the optimal way to eat? And that's basically trying to find like the perfect nutrients or the perfect, um, fruits and vegetables or getting in the perfect amount of food all the time when it's actually going to cause more disordered eating because you're so stressed about the perfectionism rather than just finding like a practical way to eat. Um, So it's assessing the client, um, assessing, you know, the different ways that they need to eat and then making sure that you come up with a plan so that they can Uh, actually get those foods available to them and accessible to them. It's really interesting to me because you said something er, early on about how when you got your diagnosis, Mm -hmm. you went down the the rabbit hole of like doing all the research. And because I think you were already a dietitian, Mm -hmm. much of that was linked to food and the way you were eating. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That was not my experience. Like my experience Mm -hmm. was, oh, my God. I have ADHD. I now have words to to use. And I guess I'm going to deal with the grief and shock by eating a bunch of crap. Like there yeah. was never any intentionality of assessing my relationship with ADHD mm-hmm. by assessing my relationship with food. And maybe that's because I already had, a, a you know, some negative behavioral like roles with food. But uh, I I feel like that gets to a really important issue, I, I think, for us, which is how like living with ADHD exacerbates negative eating behavior if you're not in touch with it. Is that is that a mm-hmm. fair question? Yeah, absolutely. It's because there is. First off, it depends on if you even when you were diagnosed with ADHD and if you've had any type of coping mechanisms along the way, Um, like me being diagnosed at 33, I didn't know what was going on in my brain, like most people listening, right? Or a lot of people listening who are undiagnosed. So it's just food is just an easy way to cope with things. And because with ADHD, because we have such difficulty regulating our emotions we're going through these extremes all the time right so it's like high super highs and then like very low lows when we feel things right we feel we feel things to an extreme or that at least that's my way of understanding it and that's how I experience it so when you have these extremes all the time it's like oh I don't really know how to process that emotion first off because we can't we don't have a hard time focus on things long enough to process them So food is just a really easy way to deal with that emotion. Well, it's the one thing in life that has no friction. Like I can walk into the kitchen and start eating and satisfy a craving, Mm -hmm. an urge, salve a a pain in seconds. And like everything else in my life, the way I deal with my brain, I have to have accommodations to deal with friction. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to do that with food. 
Yeah, well, there's a reason for that, right? I mean, biologically, we need food to to survive. Mm -hmm. So our body doesn't really want there to be friction between us and food um, because we need it, right? So if food is supposed to taste good, it's supposed to serve a purpose of of being, being you're supposed to be excited by food, right? You're supposed mm -hmm. to like it. Otherwise, we wouldn't survive as a species. So I think it's really important to understand that. And it's important to not be ashamed of that. Everyone mm -hmm. uses food to cope. Everyone uses it um, as a way to soothe. And it starts off when we're infants, right? I mean, baby's crying. What do you do? You give them a bottle. Baby needs mm -hmm. self-soothing. The baby, baby's using a pacifier. Um, or when you're a little kid and you fall on the ground, what do your parents do? Like, oh, I'm so sorry you fell. Do you want a cookie? Or do you, you know, mm -hmm. do you want some type of food as a reward or as a, as a punishment sometimes as well? So it's really important to think about how um, our experiences with foods over our lives has, has really shaped our relationship with it. And a lot of that does come from diet culture also, um, which is just the, this huge, like overwhelming um, cloud, I guess that's over us. Um, that sort of makes us feel like we need to have all these food rules and there's certain ways to eat. And it, it makes us feel like a lot of shame when we're not able to follow like the perfect you know way of eating which there is no perfect way to eat um especially not for us neurodivergent brains who you know we don't have the executive executive functioning to really follow meal plans and do everything um as you know by the book so-called quote, quote unquote i'm using quotes for all of you who are listening but there is no perfect way to eat my question is when you talked about disordered mm -hmm. eating can you talk a little bit more about what that means? Yeah, so um, so there's eating disorders and then there's disordered eating. And eating disorder is actually like, it has to be um, clinically assessed. It's gotta be clinically diagnosed by, um, you know, mm -hmm. a psychiatrist or somebody who's qualified. Disordered eating can kind of be, um, we can all relate to it in a way because it's basically eating in a way that's on an unhealthy relationship with food. Um, and it's, so it's kind of what Pete was saying, that would be more disordered eating. Having a healthy, a quote unquote, healthy relationship with food would be like eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full or stopping when you're satisfied, not feeling any guilt or shame around food, um, not feeling this, um, you know, like you're doing anything wrong, not labeling foods as good or bad. Um, and these are things that we all do, you know, in just day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm so bad because I ate that, you know, cheeseburger or whatever. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Right. And then you feel guilt. And then what happens is the next day you might restrict because of what you ate the day before. Um, and so there's this sort of binge restrict cycle that we get ourselves into because of this idea that we need to have food rules. Um, and so I think it's important to kind of break those down and and figure out like we actually don't need all those rules <laughs> to be healthy um and we actually shouldn't be because it is making things much much worse and it's making things much more complicated especially for our ADHD brains that need things to be very simple with eating. Mm -hmm. Are people with ADHD then at a higher percentage of being diagnosed with eating disorders so we're definitely at higher risk for them um uh, or yeah, higher risk, binge yeah. eating specifically we are binge eating and bulimia okay. which is when you binge eat and then you purge 
um, or, or make mm-hmm. yourself vomit or, um, you know, overexercise and things like that. So we are definitely at a higher risk for that. Um, and it is because of different things. So it's not just diet culture. It's also the fact that we um, have, you know, impulsivity um, issues, right? Mm-hmm. We, we tend to be very impulsive with food. But the other one that we don't talk about as much is just poor working memory, time blindness, right? So what if you go all day without eating because you just forgot to eat? Maybe you were hyper-focused. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you take um, stimulants and you're your appetite is very low. So you, you go throughout the whole day and then all of a sudden your meds wear off and boom, you're starving and you feel like you need to eat a lot of food to feel full. And so that sometimes would feel like you feel your body's out of control because you can't stop eating, but it's actually your body biologically telling you, you haven't fed me all day. You need to eat some food, right? And so of course, Mm -hmm. the first thing we do is we go for the carbs and um, things like sugar because it's quick in your body you know, quickly, um, digest the, the, those types of foods and it, it can, can get the energy that it needs from it very quickly. So there's all these different types of things that, that factor into it. Well, I think that's what's, that's, what's mm-hmm. the, the satisfying sort of trigger is that I eat the carbs or the sugars, and then my energy gets back up to, to what my expected sort of energy level is. And I feel like I've solved the problem. Mm-hmm. It's just not sustainable, right? It just doesn't last until the next kind of crash. Yeah. And I think that's Mm -hmm. why it's important to try to eat consistently rather than focusing on specific foods. Um, Because I know there's, there's always these questions like, oh, I have ADHD. What should I be eating? It's like, actually, we need to figure out how you can actually just eat consistently. And we need to figure out how you can do things like plan your meals and shop and cook before you can get to the place where you're optimizing your health, right? Because um, those things come first. There's, there's only, there's only so much you can do if you're only eating one meal a day or two meals a day. doesn't matter how perfect that meal is. You're going to have lots of issues if you are skipping meals or you're just sort of like, I mean, grazing is okay too. If you're, you're using it as a way to stimulate, which a lot of us do, right? So using food to stim is another thing that we, um, we do as well. Well, talk talk about that. <laughs> I know there's right? so much we can well, get into, <laughs> but I'm curious. I'm curious about the um, intermittent fasting. What do you think of that? So, intermittent fasting is just another diet. Um, it's basically okay. so, and and this is something that we haven't got into yet. But I guess we did a little bit. But anytime you restrict yourself from eating, especially during a specific period of time you're getting further and further away from your body's natural ability to tell you when it's hungry and when it's full. You're basically undermining your, what your body's saying. You're like, nope, I know you're telling me you're hungry, but I'm just going to ignore you right now. And I'm going to eat when this diet tells me I can eat, right? So I'm only going to eat during this window of time. And because of that, this, the period of time where you're ignoring those hunger cues and you're getting further and further away from listening to your body and telling you what it needs, um, you're then, you're setting yourself up for a binge or you're setting yourself up to like quickly, you know, fail on that diet and then gain a bunch of weight at the end of the diet. And the reason for that is because anytime you're restricting, um, it's sort of like, 
when you tell a kid they can't have candy, all they think about is candy, right? It's just, it's sort Mm -hmm. of like um, you're putting that food on a pedestal and you're making it more important than it is. So we tend to feel out of control around those types of foods. So when people go on low carb diets, for example, if you, if you don't have carbohydrates, first off, you're going to feel really low in energy because your brain runs on carbohydrates, right? Um, but what you're doing is you're making those carbs seem very, very exciting. And so as soon as you go back to eating, you know, your quote unquote normal diet, then um, you're going to not feel out of, you're not going to feel in control around those carbs. And you're going to be like, oh, I never get to eat these. I'm just going to go wild and have as much as I possibly want. Right. I did. The whole loaf of bread, please. Exactly. (laughs) I deserve this because I didn't allow myself to have it for so long. So with intermittent fasting, it's the same exact thing. It's like, you're restricting during a certain time window, which I know they say for, for people with ADHD, oh, it's easier because you only have to think about eating during that time window. And that's all I have to think about. But it's not necessarily healthy for your brain in the long term. Um, we know that based on studies, based on the research, that two thirds of people who go on diets, whether it's for weight loss or intermittent fasting, whatever it might be, end up gaining more weight than what they started with. And the reason is because your metabolism keeps going lower and lower and lower. So what about these, what, and I know these are probably the questions you're always getting (laughs) because they're so common, but I want to know, vegetarian diets, vegan diets, Mm plant-based diets, you know, I went to a nutritionist um, a few years ago and they really pushed the plant-based mm-hmm. diet on me. And so I'm curious to know what your thoughts are around those type of diets, because they're also taking away meat and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, vegan, especially, I mean, they're taking away eggs, dairy, all yeah. of that. So it's this, it, I say it's the same thing. Um, when I was really restrictive prior to my ADHD diagnosis, I was like gluten free, I was vegan, I was all these things because I thought it was going to be better for my health. When actually, um, I was just was very undernourished at the time. It doesn't mean that if you go vegan, or if you go vegetarian, that you're going to be undernourished, because there are ways to get these nutrients in, but it's much, much harder. Number one, it's going to be much harder for someone with ADHD unless that's your thing and that's your hyper-focus is to focus on food. But chances are, if you're telling yourself that you can't eat something, it's probably going to be the food that you binge on later on, right? So we need to try to accept all foods into our diet so that they don't seem as exciting. And And I know what people are thinking. They're like, well, if I allow myself to just eat whatever I want, doesn't that mean that I'm just going to eat, you know, like... McDonald's and Burger King every single day, and I'm not going to be healthy. That's actually not true. So what people, people who accept all foods into their diet without guilt and without shame, they actually start to crave foods that are more nourishing, like more fruits and more veggies and um, all these other types of foods, because you're actually listening to your body. You're in tune with what it needs rather than following all these food rules and following um, you know, these specific guidelines, your body is very, very smart. It's going to tell you what it needs. So the people who come to me and they do my programs, once we get into it, they find that, oh yeah, actually I have been, 
um, limiting dairy because I heard when I was younger that it was really bad for you. And so I've just cut it out all these years and I've never, never even thought about it when, you know, it's actually making life a little bit more difficult because you are having to avoid all these other foods. And then you realize that you feel out of control around things like cake and cookies and all that stuff because they have dairy and those are things that you can't eat. And then as soon as they start incorporating them back into their lives, they're like, you know what? I actually don't even crave cookies anymore. I don't even crave cake anymore because I can have it. It has no no strong um, attachment to what I can and can't have. And so... So it's almost like you're saying, and if I'm, if I'm understanding this correctly, it's almost like you're, it's more of a choice Mm -hmm. now. It's not this restrictive thing. Oh, I can't have that. It's more of, I'm just choosing. I don't, I don't want that. I'm not, I'm not craving it. This is the diet. It's not, I mean, this is just the way I like to eat. I eat clean. I, whatever. Right. Is that kind of what I'm getting? Absolutely. It's all about your mindset. So it's it's about mm-hmm. making peace with those foods and knowing that, you know, I could eat that if I want to, but I've tried to eat it and I actually don't feel well when I eat it. So I'm choosing not mm-hmm. to have it. But you can't get there unless you allow these foods into your life and you make them, you, you kind of normalize them, right? So there's a process called mm-hmm. habituation um, that we do with um, intuitive eating. and And what that is, is basically just bringing these foods into your life, normalizing them and um, seeing how they make you feel. That's the most important thing is how is this food that I'm going to eat make me feel? And how am I going to feel when I'm done with it? So that takes a lot of checking in with yourself and making sure that you are actually hungry. You know, why are you eating that food? Am I eating it because I am bored? Am I eating it because I'm tired? Am I eating it because I just you know, feel really stressed out right now. And chances are when you eat in those situations, you're going to eat a lot more of it, or you're going to be eating it for the wrong reason. So it's it's a lot of checking in. It's a lot of um, looking at the, the big picture, like, have I actually eaten today? And if I haven't eaten, maybe I'm having these cravings because my body's just telling me that you need food in general, right? So yes, you can you can be vegan or you can be vegetarian and still um, eat intuitively. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with weight loss. But a lot of people do go on those diets just for weight loss. For weight and loss. Then, and that's where it So that's the difference of having it be a lifestyle choice mm-hmm. versus really just to lose weight. And then I've lost the weight. I lose mm-hmm. the diet and then I'm gaining it back is sort of what the cycle is a lot of times of what you're you're seeing. Yeah, exactly. But there's also people who do it just for like a healthy lifestyle and it's called like pseudo dieting. Mm -hmm. Pseudo dieting is basically Mm -hmm. when you don't realize that you're on a diet, but you're still restricting because you think it's healthy for you. Um, Regardless of how you restrict, you are going to, you're still going to have those food rules in your head that affect the way that you eat. Um, so you really do have to make peace with all foods, um, unless you have a food allergy or something. Right, like that. right. But these food rules. Okay, so a couple things that are I'm, that are coming up for me. One is I want to know more about intuitive mm-hmm. eating, and then these food rules. How do you get past that? Because I can tell you 
I, I know exactly what you're talking about. If you're on Weight Watchers, you're looking at that's three points right mm -hmm. there. That's zero points. Like, you know, if you're on a low carb diet, I can't have the bread. Don't even bring it to the table. Like, I mean, there are these mm -hmm. rules that are just so ingrained. There are. And I want to add something to that, though, because what I'm like, and, and this probably gets into intuitive eating, maybe, but this is the the sort of the other side of of the eating equation, right? Like, being able to understand what my body is doing when I eat certain things is sometimes there's a long delay between the time I ingest something and the time I actually feel the the um, you know, the, the trouble with it. And mm -hmm. so it's hard to build new habits based on those things, um, you know, based on looking at a food and saying, God, when I see that food, I know that hurts me, right? I know that eventually I'm going to feel terrible if I if I eat that thing, but I really love that thing. And in the moment, I think, well, just this once will be fine. So like sometimes mm -hmm. building those food rules can really, really, really help you if you if you're able to make that connection. And I want to know how how to better reinforce those connections. So take all of that and see what you think. <laughs> <laughs> well, because what I'm hearing when you say, oh, just this one time. Mm -hmm. That is coming from a place of restriction still, rather mm -hmm. than I'm choosing to eat this food, even though I know it's probably going to make me feel ill. Yeah. It's like ice cream. I had a bowl of ice cream last night, knowing that it was probably not going to make me mm -hmm. feel well. And sure enough, about a half hour later, uh, my stomach wasn't mm -hmm. feeling good. So it's basically, you're saying the consequences of eating it isn't still not stopping you from from eating it. It didn't last okay. night. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And I'm curious what that behavior is all about because I, I happen yeah, to know exactly what certain foods are going to do to me and what they're going to do to my joints and, I'll still and do it. my nervous yeah. system. And I still sometimes yeah. do it. And that's the, we call that the, the my 13 year old who rides around on my back and tells me what to do. Like I'm trying to build a better relationship with him. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, it really depends. So if it's like digestive health, for example, right? If we talk about like ice cream and dairy and that type of stuff, like how's that going to make me feel? Well, you're like, I know that this is going to bother me, but I'm eating it anyway. I mean, sometimes it really just takes owning your your choice. And next time you can say, do I really want to feel that way? Yeah. But why is it yeah. that you're choosing it in the first place? What's right. leading, what's, what's driving you to choose that food? Is it because you feel like, oh, I had a bad day. I deserve it. Or are you thinking, oh, I really need some ice cream right now because I'm feeling stressed out. Like, what is it that's driving those behaviors? Um, so I can tell you <laughs> <laughs> yesterday, it happens to be my birthday today. There's my hey. balloon. Happy Thank you. Birthday. And it's a big birthday. It's this birthday. Oh, God, 50. <laughs> it's a big one. And my my husband, he eats ice cream all the time because he doesn't have these mm -hmm. problems at all. And, um, and I know exactly what came to my mind is that, hey, it's my birthday tomorrow. I'm going to have that bowl of ice cream. Mm -hmm. I guess it was like maybe that little bit of I deserve it. Like, yeah, let's make this exception, not exception, because I'm not saying that I'm restricting ice cream right now. But but that was sort of when you when you were talking, I would say it was the oh, I deserve mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, And that's that's what a lot of us do. That's like, don't feel ashamed by mm -hmm. that. But just know that 
it does put ice cream on a pedestal when you think that it's a good or a bad food, right? So, so, so not labeling yeah. foods as good or bad is really important to making that piece with food. Um, it's identifying why you're eating it, right? So like, let's say, okay, it's my birthday. I deserve to eat this. You can eat ice cream whenever you want. It doesn't have to be your birthday and it doesn't need to make it special. Yeah. So that means that you're putting ice cream in a little box that says, this is special. I can only eat it on certain occasions because it makes me feel ill. But if it makes you feel in a, yeah. di- in a digestive way, um, can you maybe take some like lactase enzyme or something like that? Or is it just like depends on the physical feeling. I don't know if how much you want to get into like personal level, but like, but if it's digestive issues, there's always something that we can do. And if you know that you're, you're not choosing to eat it because it makes you feel ill, it's not just because you're restricting it out of fear of calories or things like that. Um, then you can usually find an alternative that's going to make you feel as good. Or you can sit with the idea of, you know what, I can eat this whenever I want and choosing not to because I don't want to feel ill on my birthday and I deserve to feel well. So I'm going to choose to eat something else that will make me feel good. Um, And then there's like the driving factor of why do I need food to make me feel good right now? There we go. What is it that's what's it that's causing, you know, these emotions to come up? So um, there's a lot that goes into it. I hear you. <laughs> yeah, there is. Well, and so then my question, um, if you have, if you do need to lose mm-hmm. weight and, uh, you know, your doctor and I, and I'll be honest, you know, my doctor has said you need to lose weight. Like it's not, you're at a health risk. Then how do you how do you do that with what we're talking about with, with not thinking that food is good or bad, but also understanding I'm not going to lose any weight if I keep eating ice cream every night. So that's one of the main issues in healthcare is this mis misunderstanding about weight. Weight is not what increases your risk for disease. Most of the time it's your lifestyle choices, right? So there's been, hundreds of studies that show that weight alone is not the cause for heart disease. It's not the cause for diabetes. It's not the cause for all these other things. It's actually how, like what you're putting into your body and how you're treating your body. Stress is a big one, more than even food and exercise. Um, So overall stress levels, for example, um, genetics and things like that, of course, come into play as well. But most doctors are very, very quick to pull the weight card and say, oh, you just need to lose weight and you'll be fine. But what happens when you lose the weight? You go to your doctor, your doctor's happy, and then you just go back to the way you were. Or even worse, we get into a more unhealthy relationship with food because of the diet that your doctor put you on to lose that weight. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not a good long-term solution to just say, oh, you need to lose weight, come back to me in six months, doctor's happy, but then what What now? What happens, right? Mm-hmm. It's much mm-hmm. better to say, I'm gonna focus on how foods make me feel because my body is smart. My body's gonna tell me what I need. And I'm not going to restrict any of these foods. I'm just gonna eat what makes me feel good. And I'm gonna allow all these foods into my life. And sure enough, you know, eventually I will get to a place where, 
I'm eating a variety of foods, maybe, you know, adding in more fruits and veggies because they feel good. Um, and I can eat ice cream or cake or cookies, whatever, whenever I want, but you're not really craving them because they're not off limits, you know, as mm -hmm. much. And, and mm -hmm. of course you can include them into your diet, um, on a daily basis and still be, um, you know, they can still mm -hmm. be, it's still okay, basically. So what I would say to you is don't focus on the weight, focus on how you want to feel. And most of the time for most people that is adding in uh, or eating consistently, eating enough so that your blood sugar levels aren't fluctuating too much throughout the day, right? You're eating in a way that feels mm -hmm. good consistently. And then also adding in some nourishing foods and adding in movement, right? And I hesitate to say yeah. exercise because we associate exercise with weight loss, right? But movement we know is important for everything, including ADHD, right? To speak to spike dopamine. It's good for your heart mm -hmm. health. It's good for sleep, mental health, everything, right? So focusing mm -hmm. on those things and how you want to incorporate them into your day is much better than weight. Um, you don't even have to get weight at the doctors if you don't want to. You can actually, yeah, really? you can tell them I don't want to be weighed or I don't want to see my weight. They, they, I didn't they know don't that. Even have... I'm going to stop to having them do it because it makes Man, me mad every do time it I look at it. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to see your weight. You can, they don't even need to check it unless they're, they need your weight to, to, to prescribe for a certain medication or something like that, but yeah. they don't, they don't even need it. No, I would. Yeah. So you've talked about intuitive eating and I know, you you know, in our conversation, it's kind of come in and out of, of conversation, but tell me what is it? How does it work? How does it help with people with ADHD? Yeah. So intuitive eating, I guess for most people, it's kind of like a new buzz, buzzword or buzz, buzz phrase, I guess. Um, it's been around for a long time and, and it's, it basically mm -hmm. was created for people with disordered eating. Um, it is just a way of eating without any food rules, um, allowing your body to do all the decision-making. Um, so it, you're, you're being in tune with your body. You're allowing yourself to feel your hunger cues, feel your fullness cues, stop eating when you're hungry, um, so sorry, stop eating when you're full, when you're satisfied, <laughs> <laughs> my brain. Um, I know I don't have to explain brain things to you guys. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, it's basically just, yeah, it, it's, it's eating in a way that is anti-diet, but mm -hmm. feeling good. So you are making peace with food. You're rejecting all that diet mentality that we have. Um, you are figuring out your emotions and you're being just really in tune with your body um, mm -hmm. to figure out when you need to eat and when you need to stop eating. It's really eating before dieting ever came into play, right? It's just eating is what it is <laughs> it's just eating so what's the what's the difference between that and gentle nutrition so gentle nutrition is a, a part of intuitive eating so okay. gentle nutrition is just basically it, it's it's like the last step of intuitive eating um there's so intuitive eating is 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 formed on 10 steps um and it is, you know, rejecting the diet mentality, making peace with food and, um, you know, moving your body and all these things that I talked about. And then gentle nutrition is sort of this last piece. And the reason it's saved for the end is because you need to 
go through all of these steps before you can even start thinking about how to incorporate different nutrients into your diet. Because if you just go straight to gentle nutrition and you just go straight to focusing on, okay, how can I get more fruits and veggies in my diet? Then you might be stuck on that diet mentality before you can actually incorporate all foods in, if that makes sense. Um, So Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we're not uh, provoking any sort of um, dieting back into your your mindset. And it takes a long time for people to get out of that mindset because we've had food rules for years and years and years. I mean, some of us when we were young, like when we were even teens, like I have some clients who used to go to, to Weight Watchers, um, with their, their mom when they were like 12, they started at Mm -hmm. a very young age. Right. And it's, it's definitely, um, it affects you because you feel like you need to follow these rules for your whole life. And, and you really don't, it's just making things much worse. That's one of those things I feel like um, not only having a rough relationship with the food, but then being diagnosed with ADHD going on 20, more than 20 years. Um, it, I feel like it has taken me that long to figure out some of those mechanics and to, and to use my body's relationship with food to mm-hmm. be able to make decisions based on what we were talking about. The things that make me feel bad mm-hmm. to equate those with not eating them. Right? And the things that make me feel good, my mm-hmm. body will tell me, those make you feel good. You should have some of those, right? And I, it's mm-hmm. the first time in my life I could walk into the kitchen and see a cucumber on the counter and be, and be like, ooh, I'm gonna give me some of that cucumber. <laughs> Maybe yeah. a tomato. You know, like that's that's like news. You know what I mean? And I just it sounds so stupid to think well, about it, but mm, no, tomato be looking I, it's interesting. good. Yeah, <laughs> but I I just totally I sexed to up my point, kitchen. I apologize for that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, no, but to your point, Pete, what I think is interesting is uh, when Nicole said. Um, when we were talking about the ice cream, you know, why do you feel like you need it? Like what, what, why, what's that underlying, oh, I deserve this to, you know, it's my birthday. It it just makes me pause and think that's true. Like that wasn't going to make me feel any better. It was going to make me feel worse. And I'm celebrating. Why am I gravitating towards something that Yeah. yeah, I mean, the whole thing Mm -hmm. is just really, like you said, there's so many layers. And, but Mm -hmm. I think just to pause and think about it for a moment and really what is the reason I want this or not want this? And that's such a connect the dots. That's such a good way to think about it, too, Nikki, because it's like you, you, when you start talking about it, you, you can see the scales, right? The scales are, I get immediate benefit by being in a celebratory space with people and eating something everybody else is eating and telling myself, I love this ice cream, which I do love the ice cream, but everybody else is eating. And it's like that, I get the immediate satisfaction of that. Or I get the longer term, like, and I know that the cost of having that immediate celebratory experience is the cost of having the, the, the discomfort later. Or you can shift the scales and say, you know what, I'm going to, I now, like, I'm going to reprogram myself and realize that, oh, right, ice cream, it does make my body feel bad. I think I need to focus mm-hmm. on something that makes it feel good and is also delightful. But this gets to my, to to a question that is, I think, an important one for me personally, which is replacement thinking, right? That, and I know this is sort of a variant on dieting and food rules, but being able to say, like, I know 
I know this thing makes me feel bad, but if I find a satisf- satisfactory replacement item that does make me feel good and I enjoy and don't hurt and don't stink up the place later, like how does that model fit in with intuitive eating? That's totally fine. So that's because it's it's about mindset, right? So you're yeah. not restricting it just because you feel like you should. You're restricting it because you genuinely have this physiological effect yeah. when you eat it. And that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Conscious um, choice. Conscious choice. It's a conscious win. choice. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then and I think it's it's really um impressive that you've been able to get to that mindset on your own. But I, I do think it's important for us to dig a little bit deeper, like Nikki was saying. Like when you really think about it, it's like, oh, actually maybe I do have a food rule that I'm not allowed to have ice cream in. And because it's my birthday now yeah. I can, so I will, because it's a special treat, right? That That's yeah. making it a treat, yeah. that's making it special. So if we remove all of that and we just, we know that, okay, ice cream is just food. It's no more special than an apple or an orange, right? It's just food. Yeah. Then it yeah. becomes um, a little bit more habituated, Um so there's that. And and obviously I'm not I'm not denying the fact that an apple or an orange has more nutrients than ice cream in it because that's not that's obviously not true. Um it, it does have a lot of I'm sorry, it is true. It's got a lot more nutrients in it. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't incorporate these like play foods, they call them in the intuitive eating worlds, mm-hmm. into our diets as well. Um Mm-hmm. So that being said, I I do want to mention the fact that for those who are listening and they're like, well, you know what? I don't really have a lot of issues with dieting. I just really don't have the executive functioning to meal plan and shop and cook and all these things. And I actually don't even know what to eat. That's my problem, right? So, mm-hmm. cause that, that's with a lot of us, that's that whole other layer that comes um, comes with it is just, you know, okay, I'm, I'm making peace with food. I can eat whatever foods I want, but I'm just eating foods that don't make me feel well because I don't really know what else to eat. And that, well, that's that the other layer. We fall prey to the, the marketed foods, right? To the drive-throughs, to the things that are easy and present mm-hmm. that maybe just, we don't know any better. So we just take the least, uh, sort of the road. Uh, well, and where would you, how can people find out more information about that? Like, where would you, I know you, you mentioned you have some programs, um, but yeah, like t- tell us about those. Tell us about like, if I, if I just really don't know where to start, it's too overwhelming when you get on the internet. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much stuff. So where does somebody yeah. start? Well, I have on, on my website, eatingwithadhd.com, I have a free 40 minute training um, for anyone who's listening, you just go to eatingwithadhd.com and um, you click on the link and it, it'll it'll give you all of that information. I basically go through um, all of the eating challenges that we have. I talk about why we're at risk for binge eating, things that cause binge eating. Um, I talk about things like, you know, emotional dysregulation and how boredom and low dopamine and all these things affect you. Um, and sensory issues as well, which is another thing that we haven't really discussed. But I talk about all these different things and sort of give you um, an understanding and an awareness of them. And that's a great place to start is just understanding why your brain is kind of doing the things that it does with ADHD, because mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. it's so complex. So that's a great place to start is with that free training. 
Um, and then once you get in there, you have access to my community, um, which is basically access to my um, course. I have a very thorough course on ADHD and eating. Um, it's an online course in community where people, um, you know, talk about what the course modules and they give each other support, which is really nice. Um, and then I also have one-on-one -on -one coaching and group coaching programs as well for people who are listening that want help with figuring out, you know, how to meal shop, meal, meal plan, shop and cook and all these other mm -hmm. things. And then of course, like, you know, what type of foods should I be eating? Not should, I wanted to say the word should, let me take that back. Yes. What type of foods can I eat <laughs> to make me feel good? Mm -hmm. um, and sort of exploring all of that. So that's all found mm -hmm. on, on my website. So. And we'll put all of that information in the show notes. Pete, I know we have a couple of listener questions. Should we ask those yeah. right now? Uh, yeah. Where would you like to start? You want to go back up to emotional eating or, uh, I'll talk, I'll do this first one about, uh, decisions around food and nutrition. So this is coming from a listener. My partner and I are both very picky eaters. My friend says we have the diet of a toddler, French fries, chicken tenders, plain burgers, etc. Mm -hmm. Is there a reason why we only seem to want that food? Does our ADHD just make it seem like it's the easiest thing to eat? At first, it depends on preference, right? So maybe they just really like those foods and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with them, right? So there's no bad foods. I think it does become easy over time, especially if it's just, it takes less executive functioning because you're used to having those foods. So you just have them over and over and over again, right? Less steps makes it much easier. Um, two, it could be that maybe those foods give you a lot more stimulation, right? So if they have intense flavors, right? Because we we tend to seek dopamine, right? We're dopamine seekers. And so if those foods are what stimulate the your brain, then that could be a reason for it. The third thing is, yes, if it's easy, maybe you're just not thinking of other options that you have because it maybe provokes a little bit of anxiety. So what I would recommend is you can definitely keep eating those foods, but maybe just add some other options along with it. Um, don't You don't have to completely reinvent the wheel, but maybe just adding in, um, you know, maybe some greens or some tomatoes or something on the, the burger, for example, or maybe having it on the side along with it. Um, and it, it also really depends on why. Is it is it the time? Are you, do you don't, not have enough time to cook foods? Are you forgetting to shop? Are you forgetting to make a list to go to the grocery store? So you just end up getting the same things over and over. So it really depends on the reason for it. You kind of have to dig a little bit deeper. Like, why is it that we're actually choosing these foods? I always say to start by making a list of foods that you actually really enjoy that you really like. Hmm. And then realistically, which foods on this list can I make at home and how can I get those started? Um, and then use that list to take with you to the grocery store. Because oftentimes with our poor working memory, just, we just forget our options, right? We're like, oh, mm -hmm. I can't think of anything mm -hmm. right now. I'm in a pinch. I'm just going to grab what I know. And it's easy. And then it becomes a habit. So just sort of adding things to that. Well, and I think now, especially after... COVID, I think that um, the meal, uh, what are those meal delivery places yeah, like, like HelloFresh? Hello and and, mm -hmm. I mean, I think those are great alternatives for ADHDers because you you will get, um, you know, a, a balanced meal. You get to choose what you want and they're really easy to put together and mm -hmm. you don't have to 
go to the store, you know? So, I mean, I, would you, are maybe I think this is a good idea and it's a bad idea. So tell me what you <laughs> think. I mean, is that like a good thing or am I like highlighting something that maybe we shouldn't be doing? No, I don't know. I think those would be really great for people that don't mind cooking. Um, but I know yeah, I've had some true. clients that are like, oh, I bought those and they worked great for two weeks and then they just died in my fridge. And they never did them. Yeah. Um, so it yeah. really depends on the person. If if you, you know, if you're the type of person that likes to cook and you like to be in the kitchen, but you just want to take away all of the decision making, then those would be mm-hmm. great to get. Um, yeah. But mm-hmm. if it's something where you don't want to deal with that, you can get meals that are already prepared delivered as well. Um, Mm, if you're mm -hmm. somebody who's like, no way, I like to eat the same thing every day, then maybe it's a little bit, you know, too Too much much for you. And then there's people who are like, nope, I don't like to eat the same thing every day. I have to switch it up. Right. We're all so different. (laughs) It just depends. So fine. Figure out something that works for you. Um, and that's all, those are all included in my course as well. Like those different options. How can I manage healthy eating habits when I have an unhealthy relationship with food? I only realized that within the last two years, I have an eating disorder. I associate eating fast food with my emotional state. Am I happy? McDonald's. Am I sad? McDonald's. Is it Wednesday? McDonald's. It's making craving healthy items incredibly difficult, and I'm depressed about my weight. Yeah, that's very, very common. First off, don't be ashamed. That's very, very common. Um... Removing the guilt and shame is number one, because the guilt and shame is what keeps us in that binge restrict cycle, right? It, it, it keeps us there. So making peace with that food and knowing that, you know what, eating McDonald's does not make you a bad person. There's nothing wrong with it. And you can eat it. You could eat it every day if you wanted to, but how is it making you feel? What are some of the things that we can do instead of eating foods to change our mood? Is there... Mm-hmm. Um, first off, when we go a long time without eating, like, let's say we, like, like I mentioned before, if you're time blind, for example, which we all are, we can go four or five hours without eating. And then we realize, oh my gosh, I'm starving. So in that moment, we're much more likely to make, um, I don't want to say the word poor because it, that would be associating it with bad, but to make less nourishing food decisions. Yeah. So we might just go with the McDonald's or something like, oh, I'm just going to get this because we, we have a hard time regulating emotions when our blood sugar is low. So making sure that you eat every three to four hours is really, really important in terms of regulating emotion um, and making sure that you have a plan or some backup food. So I always recommend keeping a list of foods stopped in that you check in with yourself every three to four hours, whether it's setting an alarm or whatever type of um, system that you use for your ADHD reminders, you have to eat either a snack or maybe a meal at that time. And that will really help you to regulate your emotion. And when I say to eat something, I mean something with carbohydrate and protein combined together to keep your blood sugars nice and stable. Otherwise, if you're skipping meals or your blood sugars drop, Um, you will be craving carbs or something that is just quick energy. And oftentimes it is fast food or things like that. We don't really make as, you know, good decisions in that, in that moment. This comes from a, 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 it's a picky eater, eater question. I like veggies and fruits, but my partner doesn't, doesn't. Mm -hmm. Is any, 
any way of getting him to at least try them. And when I first read that, it's like, oh, it almost sounds like a parent to a child. Like, let's just try yeah. you. Let's just try this. I know right? you so far only but, eat white and brown foods, but we're going to try something yeah. red <laughs> or green. Yeah. <laughs> but what's so interesting is that, yeah, I mean, this is this is an adult talking to another yeah. adult. So it's not just a parent and child problem like this is we're in this household together we need to make a dinner together or whatever mm -hmm. and you know one doesn't want something so yeah I'm just curious what you think yeah about I believe it or not I hear that all the time um, especially mm -hmm. if that person has ADHD or autism and they have issues with texture and, and sensory issues mm -hmm. and things like that that's when a lot of times that picky eating comes comes into play but a lot of times we associate fruits and vegetables with like being bland or flavorless. Um, and usually it's because we associate it with dieting rather than just exploring different flavors and textures and, and um, making it fun. So with ADHD, we need things to be novel, right? We need things to be exciting. Yeah. So if there is a specific type of dip or a marinade or a sauce like it doesn't have to be like a healthy like dressing or anything like that it can be whatever you like any type of flavor put that on the on the veggies and see if maybe he'll eat it that way or he or she will eat it that way um it can be like cooking it different ways like maybe roasting it or grilling the veggies or maybe like blending the fruit into a smoothie or different types of things like that just to find find new ways but what I do think is important is to make the person who is picky involved in the choosing the the fruits and vegetables that they're going to eat because that's I think the most important thing having them actually go to the store and pick them out can be helpful as well because then they're like more interested in actually eating them if that's a possibility mm -hmm. um but it, mm -hmm. it is very very common so just finding different ways to make it that might seem more exciting um, and not and making sure that it's flavorful and not so bland. I wonder if that, I mean, I don't know about their situation, but I, I know for me personally, when I think of vegetables right off the top of my head, I do, I think of steamed broccoli. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, that doesn't even sound fun, you know, but when you do start grilling it and putting some spices and garlic and olive oil, I mean, it can be really good. So it mm -hmm. is probably being a little more experimentative and, and open to, to, new ways of cooking yeah, it absolutely mm -hmm. like yeah. you can yeah. use like if you have an air fryer or um or just roasting veggies and like you said putting some fat on there like a lot of olive oil mm -hmm. and spices it, it makes it really mm -hmm. good to me mm -hmm. anyway <laughs> well, another, let's say, precarious picky eater. Uh, my teenager is a bit beyond selective, nearing avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, but not bad enough for a diagnosis. They won't touch anything remotely outside their comfort zone, which is mm -hmm. mostly carbs and cheese-type foods. They recently had a significant vitamin D deficiency. Everything else tests within normal range, but they're tired all the time. We're dealing with anxiety and depression as well, so it's hard to know what the root causes are. I don't know how to navigate getting them to try new things or guiding them to eat a bit healthier in hopes that they won't be so tired. We also just started Concerta, so it feels even more precarious. Mm -hmm. I don't want to cause a worse relationship to food. Mm, that's really tough, and I'm, I'm sorry for, for who, whichever listener that was. It's yeah. a really difficult situation. Um, I have worked with people that have um, ARFID in the past, which is... Um, you know, disordered eating that's not related to weight, right? Doesn't have anything to do with the yeah. size of the body. Um, 
it can be very difficult and it's always recommended to do either CBT or DBT, right? Um, cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, mm -hmm. And that's actually the first line of therapy for it um, because of the fact that sometimes it can be related to difficulty um, like swallowing or, or the fear of swallowing or choking and things like that. So it's really important to get to the root cause of why um, the, you said her daughter, is it? why the teenager is actually having those issues um and then i would recommend the same thing that i just i said with, yeah. with the last person is just to try different textures and shapes and sizes and things like that even cutting something a different way can be really helpful um like chopping something versus um you know giving it whole and then always offering new foods along with foods that are safe foods Mm -hmm. Right. So just kind of if you're going to offer something new, that's a different color or a different texture or shape, whatever, make sure that you have food that they already like along with it. That way it's not mm -hmm. too much. Um, it's not too anxiety provoking for that meal. But I highly, highly recommend um, therapy, even if it's not considered an eating disorder. Yeah, I just want to add uh, my teenager um, was diagnosed with a with a eating disorder a couple of years ago. And uh, I think therapy is definitely really important, but not only for the child, but also for the parent, because it is a really hard, um, it's very hard to navigate through that. And I remember our uh, therapist saying to my husband and I that, remember, it's the disorder, it's not mm -hmm. her. And because there would be times where she would really lash out and get really angry. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it helped us to know, too, kind of like what to say, what not to say, but also to remember that it's the disorder. It's not her. And that was really helpful for us to not take things personally. Mm -hmm. But I, so that's my, my two cents is for the parents to also get help on how to deal with that, because it's really, really mm -hmm. hard to yeah. see. Um, and to witness. Um, yeah, so. I, I definitely recommend that. And and also along with that, so family therapy, and then um, having that therapist recommend a dietitian who focuses on that in the area. And usually your health insurance will cover that as well. We've got this last sort of set of questions uh, in and around supplements. Uh, how should we navigate the world of supplements? Do we need to take a multivitamin? Should we all be consuming turmeric and black pepper to ward off chronic inflammation? Who, what is a good resource to help guide us away from taking supplements that only result expensive pee? Uh, and, and a sort of related <laughs> question. Uh, I always see ads and erroneous articles for miracle supplements or vitamins that are recommended to aid in treating ADHD, especially omega-3. Is there any truth to that? Uh, are there certain vitamins or supplements that assist in promoting executive function? Or are there foods that are rich in these that I can eat instead of buying and taking another vitamin? Mm, that's a great question. That's that's always one of the first questions I get is what mm -hmm. supplements should I be taking? Supplements are not like a miracle drug, right? They're not a drug. It's It's a supplement. So there's nothing that you can take that will out supplement uh, a good quality diet, sleep, and exercise, right? Um, I think in and with ADHD, medication is obviously going to be recommended over taking supplements if you can tolerate it, if that's part of your plan, if you've decided that it's okay, right? It's, it's got it. You have to be on board with it. But um, in terms of supplements, 
It really depends. Um, if you are eating a consistent diet and you feel like you're eating a variety of foods, most people don't need to take a multivitamin. Um, you can if you feel like you're not really eating well or, or you've been eating inconsistently. It doesn't usually hurt to take one, but I, I can never recommend taking any supplements without first speaking to your doctor, especially if you're taking um, prescription medications that might be interfering with it. Um, Omega-3s is are the one supplement that are recommended for ADHD. Um, they're the most researched. They are the one that I feel comfortable recommending to people. Um, so yes, you can take omega-3 supplements, but you can also get it from food as well. Mm -hmm. um, so things like fatty fish, like salmon and trout and sardines and walnuts, um, you know, flaxseed, flax oil, things like that. I, I do recommend those. But mm -hmm. the thing that's going to make the most difference is just eating consistently. So like I mentioned earlier, is making sure that you're eating every three to four hours and you're combining carbohydrate with protein um, is going to help. If you're not eating enough and you're not giving your brain the energy that it needs from food and from hydration, from water, it's not going to function properly, right? So even a little bit of dehydration is going to make your ADHD symptoms worse. So staying hydrated is also the most important thing, I would say, rather than going and taking supplements. Um, they are sort of a placebo effect a lot of the time. So much great information. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here and being patient with us as we're asking you all of these so like, many, questions. So many questions. <laughs> so many and questions. I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, that's good. You're, yeah. And now you're I'm hungry. Ready to eat. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Your body's telling it. you that it needs energy. That's exactly <laughs> that's right. exactly right. Well, we sure appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Nicole Damasi Malcher uh, over at eatingwithadhd.com. Head over there, link in the show notes. And, um, and thank you for downloading and listening to this show. Thanks for your time and your attention. And don't forget, if you have something to contribute about this conversation, we're heading over to the Show Talk channel in our Discord server. You can join us right there by becoming a supporting member at the deluxe level or better. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer and Nicole Damasi-Malcher, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll see you right back here next week on Taking Control the ADHD podcast. Mm -hmm.